Recording in progress. Welcome back to the podcast, Noel Kastler Podcast, episode 69. So I brought out uh, a pretty unique instrument. This is obviously a mandolin body, but it's strung like a six-string, so it's not double coarse for those of you at home that know what the hell I'm talking about, right? It's a guitar, but it's a mandolin. So it's perfect for uh, hotels and traveling and stuff if you don't want the double chorus twang but you want the sound and the percussive nature and it's just kind of fun and cute i got it in manchester england it's essentially one of a kind the the company uh made a few of them it's called barnes and mullins out of london they made a few of them but as far as i know this is the only one that that was for sale when i bought it or since and i got it in manchester on the last crosby stills and nash tour which was an epic adventure and misadventure in many ways, and uh, hence the last tour. And I got some crazy stories from that uh, that particular run and that particular town, but you'd probably have to buy a ticket to get them out of me now. So anyway, let's get into it, right? What a week. I say that every week. This week, you know, one of the most momentous weeks in American history because it's the first time that the Supreme Court has ever rolled back a human right that was hard won for the people of this country and for half the population, for women. The Supreme Court told the women of the United States of America this week that they don't have body autonomy. They don't have the right to make health decisions over their bodies. That right is reserved, you know, for the states to say what's best. You know, some guy in Texas now gets to decide if a 12-year-old has to carry a baby to term. And of course, now that's the law since abortion was immediately banned in all these trigger states. And I know everybody has a lot of emotion about this stuff, and I know it's a hard thing to talk about, and I don't want to just focus on the anger of it. You guys know how angry I get all the time anyway, right? And, you know, how can you not? It's maddening. It's maddening. And we're talking about the day before they said it was legal to carry concealed handguns. They overruled the state of New York that has a ban on concealed weapons and said it's not up to the states to decide who can carry a gun legally. It's a federal rule. And then the very next day, they basically said the opposite thing, right? It's not up to the country to decide at a federal level if a woman can get an abortion. It's up to individual states to make that decision, right? So they spoke out of two sides of their mouths within 24 hours, and they made two of the most impactful decisions you could think of having come down in your lifetime, right? the, The immediate effect will be women and girls will die immediately, right? Because they'll be seeking other forms of abortion because it won't go away, right? They're just going to have to go to back alleys and, and unsterile conditions and, uh, you know, all the horror stories of which there's a million of them still in this generation, right? Because the protections of our, are only 50 years old. Roe v. Wade, you know, I believe became law in like 73 or something. So we're, we're only talking about 50 years that we've been out of the dark ages 
of illegal abortions, right? So, you know, you can go talk to grandmothers and mothers and people that experienced what it was like then, and, and it was horrific, right? So that's an immediate effect. There's the immediate effect of women being told they have to have, you know, their attacker's baby because they're making no exceptions for rape and incest in many of these states like Louisiana and Texas and all these fucking dark age red state, you know, handmaiden's tail places that are all being corrupt by these or run by these corrupt white men and women, right? Because Kay Ivey's down there in Alabama. She's as bad as any of them. Christy Nome up in South Dakota. You know, these are evil, evil, putrid people. I'm sorry to talk about my fellow, fellow Americans, but they're all scammers, right? Christy Nome was on the Sunday morning talk shows. I'm doing this on Sunday afternoon this morning saying, you know, it is what it is. You know, we're going to give a lot of support to, to women in our state. No, they, they, they lead the country in the least amount of support they give to young parents and children and stuff. So at the same time that these Republicans are mandating people are going to have babies, they're taking away, you know, free lunch programs and maternity leave and health insurance and health care. Texas has one of the largest foster care populations in the country. And I did a a deep dive article I read this year, I've talked about it on the podcast before, about what these children went through during the pandemic. I mean, it was just horrible. I was crying reading, you know, this article about these children that are warehoused with no caring, you know, they sit around office buildings all day, they don't get education, they just sit around these like empty offices that the state owns. It's the stuff of horror stories, okay? So these states don't care about children to begin with, and now they're mandating that people who aren't prepared to, or for whatever reason, which is nobody's goddamn business, they don't want to have a kid. It's a medical decision. It's none of your business. But it's an easy issue to manipulate the Christo-fascist base on. And that's where we're at now. And, you know, back to Christy Nome. So she's on the Sunday morning talk shows looking pretty. You know, she's a former beauty queen. And, you know, she looks the part. She looks like a nice old white lady, you know, middle-aged white lady. In reality, she's corrupt, right? Her own daughter she tried to hook up, remember? The real estate appraisal scandal that she got away with this summer. So these same people continue to make sure the playing field isn't level, right? And they use nepotism and favors to make sure they protect the sort of ruling white Christian class, which is completely corrupt. It's completely, completely corrupt. Brett Kavanaugh... One of the men who made this decision is a fucking date rapist. Sorry for cursing, but I believe, you know, the doctor who testified against him, right? When she was a teenager, he tried to assault her, sexually assault her in a house in Chevy Chase. I have no doubt that Dr. Blase Ford was telling the truth. I may get her name wrong, but Christine Blase Ford, she was telling the truth. Anybody who watched her testimony knew that. Anybody who's been around these kind of kids and young men and adults like I have know what kind of like scumbags get raised in that environment environment and every environment but there's something about these prep school privileged kids that has like an extra loop of sadism because they're always like you know who my father is you know who my dad is you know who the lawyers he can hire are I've seen these punks you know I've known these punks my whole life I live amongst these folks all right so they're coming out of a country club, Ivy League prep school privilege area, you know, and, and sort of hierarchy 
that makes them feel like they can never be questioned and they have to take their rightful place in the firmament of ruling this country. And that's what the Kavanaugh hearings were, right? That's why you had Lindsey Graham with his spittle-inflected tirades getting so aghast. He's clutching his pearls because they're questioning this good man and bringing up stuff he might have done when he was a kid. Leave him alone. He's just an alcoholic rapist and now he needs to be on the Supreme Court because we bought his gambling debt and that's the way it goes. Shut up, you liberals and women. This is a white man's country. Get in line. That's the message, right? That's the message they're telling you. That's why they picked Clarence Thomas because he was as white as could be from an inside perspective. He was one of the establishment, and they knew it. He just happened to have skin that gave them cover, right? So they could give him Thurgood Marshall's spot, H.W. Bush was. And he himself was accused of sexual harassment in the Anita Hill hearings. And I was there in D.C. when that happened, when he was chairman of EEOC. Everybody in D.C., believed Anita Thomas. Every liberal smart person, bike messenger hanging out in DuPont Circle, you know, liberal bureaucratic worker, normal government worker, nobody believed Clarence Thomas. You could see the same sense of entitlement in his face, even though he was an African-American face, right? He was like a wolf in sheep's clothing, right? Because he was a Federalist Society pick, and he was married to Ginny Thomas, who was basically the Kaiser Soze of this whole goddamn cabal <laughs> when we get to the January 6th part of this rap, right? So she represents the power structure and the guys cutting the check. And this is her husband. And it's perfect, man, because he just wants to sit out in McLean and drink wine and cash fat checks. So he'll do whatever we say. And added bonus, he's black, so they can't say anything to us. We're going to look like we're all woke and shit long before woke was in the vernacular, right? But it was a cynical, cynical move by the conservative establishment, and it was 30 years ago. And that guy sat on the court and didn't really do a goddamn thing but cash his wife's checks. He didn't admit when she had money. He didn't declare it as spousal income. income. You know, he was a fraudster his whole time on the court, and he got away with it for 30 years because it's a lifetime appointment. And now you have these younger people. Kavanaugh is a relatively young man. Blasey Ford's young. I mean, not Blasey Ford, Freudian slip. The, the woman, the handmaiden tale with the Barrett, ACB, you know, with the evil eyes. She's 50 years old. She can make decisions for 40 years. And, and that should terrify people because she has no goodness in her heart. I can look at her and tell you that <laughs> with authority. She knew she shouldn't have taken that nomination. It was weeks before the election, right? Ruth Bader Ginsburg had just died. She took the thing, went and did a campaign commercial with Trump on the balcony of the White House after she got confirmed and then showed up and gave everybody COVID, including her foster children. Like who does that? What kind of mothering maternal instinct is in a woman that's going to do something like that? That's going to cut, cut a campaign commercial with a known sexual predator con man standing there in a diaper painted orange with a dead fucking ferret on his head, you know, three, four weeks before he's about to steal another election. The guy who coordinated with the Russians in the last election and she's going to cut a campaign commercial with him when the court's supposed to be impartial. It's not impartial. It's grifters and scumbags, and they know they're going to get away with it, and they're getting away with it. 
And if I sound angry, it's because I fucking am. And I'm sorry for cursing. But I can't help it. I can't help but just pretend to be nice and get through this stuff. We're losing this war, guys. A minority is ruling this country now. A minority of white, corrupt, grifting men that don't understand the first thing about religion, empathy, compassion, or love. They're trying to protect their way of life. And it's not as ideological as it sound, sounds. It's not just like we're trying to protect our way of life because we're Christians and we want to go play golf and, you know, just do what we want to do. They're doing it on behalf of the industry, of the oil and gas industry. That's the big play here. You know, that's why the Koch brothers hire all these guys. Jeffrey Clark, you know, the AG, the disgraced, you know, almost AG, assistant AG at the time that Trump wanted to make attorney general that we heard about on Thursday in the testimony, that guy was a Koch brothers employee before and after he had that position. And they kept referring to him as environmental lawyer. No, he was a lawyer for oil and gas industries to help them get out of paying fines and environmental regulations. And Trump placed him at the Justice Department because that's what Trump did. When he took over, he reached out to industries and said, who do we need? Oh, you need Scott Pruitt here at EPA and you need Ryan Zinke here at Interior. He got the most corrupt people he could find to grift and steal and aid and abet the oil and gas industry. And by the way, the next big case in front of the Supreme Court is going to be West Virginia versus EPA. And if they side, which it looks like they will, with industry, it'll mean... There's no more basically environmental regulations that oil companies can sue the EPA to get out of a rule and not kill and pollute our planet. And that's the end game. As I keep saying, they use abortion and guns and these issues that people react to emotionally, especially people on the right who've been brainwashed by Fox News for 30 years almost, you know, and have had arts and humanities taken out of their education since the 80s. Thanks, Ronald Reagan. They use these issues to get these folks fired up so they don't look at the big picture. They don't look at a big conglomerate, a big giant like Coke Industries that's polluting their planet, that's using public lands to build their pipelines on, to build their refineries on, that are poisoning the land and the air and the water and their children and giving them cancer and killing our planet as we speak. They don't want people looking at that. Right? They want people saying, do not comply. Right? Don't wear a mask. Don't get vaccinated. Literally, Jeffrey Clark, when he left that hinky malfeasance he was doing for Trump, went to a pack that the Cokes had set up and went on to work on that issue, the no vax, no mask issue. Because it's the same thing. If you can get people to not comply with that stuff, when it comes time to really sacrifice because wearing a mask or getting a vaccine, which you've already been getting your whole life since you were a kid, is not a big sacrifice, right? But giving up that giant pickup truck by not mowing your lawn three times a week like my MAGA neighbor does, even though he has a professional service come for three hours, then he's out there every day for four or five hours because he doesn't know what to do beyond burning fossil fuels. You know, there's so many American suburban males that just don't even feel like they're doing anything unless an engine is running which is the dumbest thing you could be doing right now for this planet. We all have to start conserving energy and thinking about fossil fuels and how much of them we waste. 
right? We're, we're, we're like on the precipice of disaster. We may have gone over the point of no return already. And these powers that be are trying to manipulate these idiots, and they're winning. You know, that's what it's all about. Heritage Foundation, Federalist Society, you know. The Koch brothers' political activism came out of their father's involvement with the John Birch Society, which was like, you know, the first libertarian Tea Party kind of really conservative fascist Nazi group in this country, right? But they weren't that interested in it until the late 70s, okay? And that's when Carter came on the scene, and that was our first energy crisis, and Carter was putting solar powers, you know, panels on the White House, and he was telling people to conserve energy. And he was getting smart about stuff. And he was a smart man. He was a nuclear physicist at the Navy, you know. Probably the smartest president we've had from an intellectual standpoint. And easily the best man we've had. You know, I, Obama's pretty impeccable character in my opinion too. But, you know, and FDR seemed like a good dude. But anyway, those are all Democrats. Um, <laughs> yeah, look, Lincoln, you know, it's not... The modern Republican Party is not what it once was, okay? And, and I'll continue that point. So the late 70s, Carter comes in with all this conserve, you know, conserve fuel, this hippy-dippy stuff. You know, it scares the industry, the oil and gas industry, the people like the Koch brothers. So what do they do? They say, we got to fight back against this. How do we do that? Well, we got to get back some votes in the South. How do we do that? we got to tap into these conservative religious folks. We got to find some wedge issues to really bring them over to the Republican side because too many of them are into the fact that they're into a union and getting health care and all this stuff and they're voting Democratic. How do we peel them away? Guns and abortion, right? Because abortion was 73 or whatever, Roe v. Wade. So fairly new at that point that it was legal, right? So we get the Sunday school set. You know, the fake Sunday school set, because Carter teaches actual Sunday school still. Probably did it this morning at 94 years old or however old he is, right? But let's go after those, you know, those southern states, the southern strategy. And that's when all these PACs started getting funded. That's when the Koch brothers, the Federalist Society, Leonard Leo, all these dudes started getting tons of money from corporations. And all these billionaires decided they want to a part of it, wanted a part of it. And then you had Reagan, you know, and Reagan was pitch perfect for this kind of thing, right? He was, he was inherently racist, right? He was an actor, okay? He was full of shit. He was easily, easily manipulated, and he looked good on TV. You know, a lot of Americans bought it. Oh, that's my grandpa. He just wants what's best for us. No, he was a fucking scumbag who was fighting illegal wars in Central America. He was negotiating with Iranian hostages up until the point of making Carter look bad, right? They, they released those hostages just to embarrass Carter. They did it. They waited until Reagan took office, you know? He did all kinds of back-channel stuff. He had Ollie North. He had Bill Barr. He had Elliot Abrams. He had some of the most scumbag people... Al Haig, that this country has known in his administration. But middle America thought he was fucking great because he was waving a flag and he looked like John Wayne and he talked like John Wayne and he said, bring down that wall. And he did all this crap, you know, that people fell for. In the meantime, he started taxing your unemployment. He started allowing corporations to move overseas. You know, you had like leveraged buyouts became the big thing. 
right? That's the whole greed is good, Gordon Gecko, where we just take over a company, dismantle it, and do it with borrowed cash, and the shareholders will all make a profit, and the people who work in the company will all get screwed. And then what happened? America turned into a rust belt, right? All these cities became depopulated. The factory shut down. Crime came in. Because drugs were coming in, right? Because the CIA is bringing a ton of cocaine up into the country now because you got to get those Contras guns somehow. Put it in the black neighborhood. Then declare war on them. It'll help us politically because we can look like we're tough on crime. We can lock these guys up, right? And then they won't look at what's really going on, that we're the ones screwing over these cities, that we're the ones and our buddies, our fat cat contributors are making all the profits off of this. Just keep waving the flag at these idiots, right? And then Murdoch saw how much money was involved, and he's like, I want a piece of that. I want to tap into that NASCAR NFL market. That was literally what he said when he was devising that network. How do I get a piece of that growing demographic in America, the tailgaters on Sundays? And this is not to impugn any of you guys who participate in any of this stuff. These are generalizations. I'm trying to paint a big picture of how I see how this shit went down in my lifetime. Okay? But then you had Fox News preaching this pablum 24-7. Also still backed by Leonard Leo, by Koch brothers, by Federalist Society. Right? And then in relatively quick succession, Thomas, Alito, you know, and then Trump gets to pick three, Gorsuch, Kavanaugh, and ACB. And there you have it. It's the oil company's wet dream, right? Because they're going to view social issues and take radical extremist stands that will punish people and further lend cause to authoritarianism, right? Because you saw what happened this weekend. There's all kinds of protests, and the cops are going in there and knocking grandma to the ground for holding a sign in a park, standing up for her rights. They're all sudden tough guys when it's peaceful protesters, right? When it's a kid in a classroom murdering a bunch of teenagers, they hang out in the hallway for an hour and don't bother to check the door because they're scared because they don't want to get blown away by hollow point bullets coming at them a mile a minute. Right? But if it's a grandma in the park, all of a sudden they're tough guys and they're kicking the shit out of her. That's who cops are. They're jackbooted thugs at this point. Not all of them. And I got a lot of friends that are cops. I got cops that I love in my life. People I genuinely love that are retired cops and cops that I've known forever. But as a system, it's fucked up. And it's never been more screwed up. And it only plays into the whole authoritarian stuff. Because the more chaos, the more they can paint you know, the side of progressive, progressivism as the side of terrorism, the more they can embolden their own army. And that's what Murdoch did. The, the, look at the cover on the New York Post, if you can bring yourself to it, the day after, day after the ruling, Saturday. It said, Summer of Rage, and it showed a picture of a young, attractive woman standing there in a tank top, like, screaming and holding up her fist. There was nothing rageful about the picture. It was a young woman asserting her rights and peacefully protesting, but summer of rage, right? So now they've turned on young women in this country. They've turned on progressivism per se. And you have a mainstream media that's going to play into it, whether they want to or not. You know, and, and that's not to say people in, 
MSN are wrong. Like, uh, I'm friends with some of them. Joy Reid is awesome. Rachel Maddow is awesome. Did a deep dive. Nicole Wallace is awesome. It goes on and on. You know, and they retweet my crazy radical stuff all the time. Especially Joy. Shout out to Joy. Okay? But the point is, media can't help but book these guests. Chuck Todd is going to book the right-wingers. You know, Christy Noem was on there. Right? PBS even had to do a both sides, you know, and have a pro-life person given her rejoiceful remarks on Friday night. Right? So they have to keep doing it. Recording in progress. And that's where it's scary, right? That's where it becomes terrifying because the other side, you know, the conservative side that's sort of trying to, like, take over this country and is doing a pretty goddamn job of doing it, good job of doing it, you know, they're going to be on the nightly news. They're going to be on Fox News. They're not showing the hearings, two of which we had this week. We had two hearings this week. Recording in progress. All right, sorry, it keeps saying that recording in progress, recording stopped. I, I don't know how to make it not do that on Zoom. I, I just paused it to try and make it stop doing that. But anyway, you get my point. You know, the, the, the people that are trying to do you harm are basically going to get as much time on the equal airwaves that you listen to as the folks that are trying to tell you the truth. And on their airwaves, on Fox News, they're not going to show the hearings. They're not going to show the extent of Trump's corruption, right? So we're, we're going to march towards the same sort of thing we've been marching towards since 2016, you know, which is a minority of people ruling the majority. They're gerrymandering so many states. They're getting so extreme that you're going to need to do more than vote. Send Nancy Pelosi $6 right now. You know, I got a fundraising text 10 minutes after the verdict came out. Hi, this is Nancy Pelosi. Donate now. You know? No, it's not a fundraising issue. This is the big time. This is real. You need to fucking codify Roe v. Wade in Congress. You need to expand the court, both of which Biden said he wasn't going to do. So what are you going to do then? Keep protecting the institution? Keep waiting for Merrick Garland to run in? You know, on a white horse and save the day? Well, you better do it quick, Merrick. You better do it quick because you're running out of time. These midterms are insane. In the last week alone, you had Eric Greetens, however you say his name, put out a video where he was hunting rhinos, Republicans in name only. And he made a cute little campaign video and walked out and shot everybody or shooting a gun. Right? And then walked it back a little bit the next day, but the damage was done. You had John Cornyn on Saturday, saying, now do Brown versus Board of Ed. Now do Plessy versus Ferguson or whatever, you know. Retweeting President Obama's tweet. Now he can walk that back and say, syntactically, I just meant it was a case similar to Roe v. Wade. Bullshit. We know what you meant, John. We know what the idiots who listen to you know what you meant. You know, now go back to segregating our schools, right? And on the same day that came out, you had Mary Miller the woman who said Hitler had a the, Hitler had the right idea about one thing, the youth is our future. She said that on January 6th, right? I believe. You know, she said it during those tumultuous, you know, Trump big lie era. She said that. Then she opened for Trump in his rally in Illinois. 
So think about that. The guy who had two hearings this week alone about how he tried to usurp the Democratic election, how he had a slate of fake electors coming in from Arizona, right, that they were trying to hand off to Mike Pence, that Ron Johnson, a Wisconsin senator, was trying to hand off to the vice president a list of fake names saying they were certifying Trump instead of Biden, a forged document, the kind of stuff that would land a normal person in jail if you forge documents at that level. They were just handing off like it was nobody's business, and they're denying it, right? So the same week that a guy who had that testimony, testimony from his assistant AGs saying how he was out of his mind, and they would all resign in mass up into the hundreds of DOJ employees if he were to go ahead and put his lackey, the Koch sycophant, Koch brothers sycophant, Jeffrey Clark, in his acting AG. And Jeffrey Clark said, put me in and I'll say that you won the election. I'll say that there was crazy interference and I'll send this letter to Georgia and I'll tell them not to, you know, not to certify the results. That's crazy. That would have been a coup. And the same week that the guy who the hearings were held on that did this, he had a rally in Illinois and he had a Nazi open up for him and bring him up on stage and say, here's the man who championed white life by rolling back Roe v. Wade. He protected white life. And then she said she misspoke. Oh, I meant right to life. I didn't mean white life. No, you meant wife life, white life. You're a Nazi. That's exactly what you meant, and that's why the whole crowd cheered, and that's why the idiot standing behind you smiled through his Adderall haze and his fucking, you know, benzos and his diaper and his girdle. That's why he smiled, because he knew he was tapping into some pure American racism, and you will never go broke betting on how racist Americans are, especially the dumb-ass white ones that live in the Midwest and the South that are generationally deprived of empathy and humanities and arts on purpose by a political party that started this project in the late 70s and they've poured billions and billions of dollars into it for decades and it's now coming to fruition. We're now several generations into idiocy into guys walking around thinking Jesus wants them to have an AR-15 and their teenager too. And it's their right to carry a gun and shoot somebody in a fucking Subway sandwich shop if they look at them wrong. Where cops walk around like thugs but don't have the courage to protect school children. Right? But will beat the shit out of a black motorist if he asks him why he's being stopped. Right? And it happens over and over and it's designed to demoralize and infuriate you and make you feel helpless. But you're not helpless. It's just the opposite. You have all the power. You just aren't exercising it in the proper way. We need to take to the streets. There should be a general strike on Monday. We should be like, no, this goes no further. Nothing happens until you make this right, until you codify this. Because we're not going back as a nation. We're not letting you tell us women are second-class citizens. Especially, we're not letting you tell us that because you're a bunch of rapists and you genuflected to a guy who had more sexual assault accusations against him than probably any other figure in modern American life. Okay, Trump was a regular at Epstein's house. He was a regular philanderer who would call up 
the New York Post himself and brag about how many models he was banging in the club the night before. That's literally how he would spend his mornings when he was a real estate guy in the 80s and 90s. He wanted everybody to think he's a big stud. When you meet him in person, that's what he talks about. Gross stuff about teenage women. He'd be like, look at her, man. Wouldn't mind getting some of that. Like, that's literally how he talks to all the men around him. He's a pig, right? He's a disgusting pig, as are a lot of these guys in the GOP, right? The Coke orgies thing that Madison Cawthorn talked about was real. When I, I worked for the Congressional Budget Office, you guys know this, I was a bike courier there from 18 till my early 20s. And, and, you know, I was bouncing around in those years. I lived in Vail as a ski bum in the winter and I'd work in DC as a courier in the, you know, in the, in the summer and in the fall and stuff to get money to go out to Vail. And when I worked at the Congressional Budget Office, I would smoke cigarettes outside. I used to smoke back then and I was friends with this girl who was a Senate page. She was in the page school. There's a, it was like a prep school on Capitol Hill where you, you get to basically be an intern on Capitol Hill and it's like your high school, right? And they wear uniforms and it's a lot of young women and stuff. And I was friends with this girl and she told me that all of her friends were dating a congressman or sleeping with a congressman. It wasn't dating. They were like 17, right? But this was in the late 80s. This was in 89. She was like, you have no idea, you know, how sort of like morally crazy it is up here. And this was back. I had friends who worked in congressmen's offices and they'd invite me to parties sometimes. And like the drinking was nuts. You know, they would set up bars outside the offices in the hallways, like in the Longworth building on a Friday night. Right. But anyway, I'm digressing. But my point is, she told me back then that these dudes were like sleeping with high school kids and stuff that were there around him on Capitol Hill. If you walked into anybody's office, Democrat or Republican, the young ladies that would be like the receptionists and the aides and stuff would always be like the hottest chick in that state. You know, it was like a beauty pageant, you know, and you couldn't help but think, oh, that's a, that's that's what they wanted representing them. You know, they wanted there was never like somebody that you would think of as unattractive. And I don't think of people's looks as what makes them attractive at all, you know, but you get my point. You know, you, you, you could just see like there was a sense of, of, of impropriety, to put it politely, right? So none of these guys are from any moral point. They're not coming from any kind of like actual ethics or morality. It's a desire to dominate because those are their marching orders by the guys who give them power, by the guys who cut checks, by the guys who want to continue business as usual. And the end game for that is big business. It's polluting, you know, it, it's oil and gas industry. It's these things that are clearly outmoded that we have to do something about or it's not going to survive. They don't want to hear that. ExxonMobil doesn't want to hear that. Okay, oil and gas companies have made $60 billion in profits recently. You know, they've never made more money, right? Because they're in the perfect political climate. The Republicans are not going to call them out on price gouging because they want the gas prices to keep going up because they can use it as a cudgel against Biden, right? And the gas companies know that, and they're cutting the checks to the politicians, and the Democrats aren't going to go after them that hard, right? AOC and the younger ones will, but Biden and stuff, they don't want, no, they don't want none of that smoke, right? They don't want to take on the establishment and the powers that be. 
Merrick Garland doesn't want to dig too deep into this stuff. Yeah, they'll go after Eastman. You know, Clark will get in trouble, obviously. You know, they're not going after the big fish. They're not going after Jared Kushner and Ivanka and Donald himself. Donald behaves with, you know, impunity because he is above the law, and he's known it. The DOJ opened their first case into him in 1973 for racial discrimination because he and his father wouldn't rent their crappy apartments to black families, right? And he countersued them. He went on the offense. That's what he does, right? That's what he learned from Roy Cohn and the mobsters that he hung out with. You just throw it back in their face. Whatever they accuse you of, accuse them of the same thing. Lawyer up. Lawyer up. And in the end, you'll play pay pennies on the dollar and you'll get away with it. And they're getting away with it, right? And now it's, a, a as I say every week, it's, it's, you're running out, out the clock. It's a battle against the clock. It's like a football game, you know? And you're in the fourth quarter, man, and the other team is up by 37 points. And they're about to bring in a fresh, you know, fresh group of, of, of maniacs. The best way to think about this is think of how much damage a Matt Gates has done, right? He asked for a pardon for any and all things since the beginning of time. <laughs> Imagine the kind of shit you've done in your life that you're going to ask for something like that. That guy's still walking around free. It's been a year and a half since he got in trouble. Nothing's happened to him or a year or whatever. He knows he's not going to get in trouble. He's waiting out the clock till Trump or somebody or DeSantis comes back into power. Right? So imagine having a whole bunch of those guys. Imagine Eric Greitens and all these idiots taking power. Carrie Lake in Arizona. All these people that are going to be like, hell no. A Democrat did not just win that presidential election. DeSantis did or Trump did or whoever our godhead is that we're going to send to Capitol Hill. And half of these hearings are a refurbishment of the image of conservative, you know, guys that did this stuff. The, the meeting, the, the hearing they had on the Thursday a couple of weeks ago, I spent hours, hours getting attacked by followers, by people who follow me, by middle-aged women that had Protect Row in their literal profile pics were sending me nasty replies saying, how dare you make fun of that nice, honorable judge who had a stroke, who recovered from a stroke. The dude didn't have a stroke. Okay? He didn't have a stroke. He put out his own statement. Dudes, I haven't had a stroke and I don't stutter. He was speaking slow and clearly because that was his role. And he was scared and he was on a national stage and he wanted to get it right. And he also didn't want to provide sound bites that could be used against conservatives on Fox News. So he knew what he was doing. And, and I applauded him for showing up in the moment and doing that. But the way I got attacked from the left because of rumor was inserted into the Twitter sphere to make people feel bad because everybody was making fun of the way the guy was talking slow. Right? Everybody was commenting on it all up until Stephen Colbert. And it just went like wildfire. Everybody was like, he's had a stroke. He's had a stroke. He hadn't had a stroke. But people fell for it. They got manipulated and they started attacking their own. You know? And comedians. I was just trying to bring some levity to very stressful situations. If you think I think any of this is funny or not serious, you're paying attention to the wrong person. Okay? 
He's making a joke about his speaking style, and I talked about the fact that he seemed like a good man who was feeling the weight of that. But people attacked me instantly. And they didn't know who this guy was, most of them, probably before that afternoon. They probably didn't know that he got part of the National Federal Violence Against Women Act rescinded in the 90s when he sided with two football players that had raped a girl at Virginia Tech. And she tried to sue them under the new federal law. And he said, no, you can't, because it doesn't have to do with interstate commerce. And he cited a case that was a federal case that tried to ban guns in schools. And he used that with his fellow jurists. This is when he's on the you know, Federal Circuit Court of Appeals in Virginia. He used that case to deny this woman's right to redress after getting raped by two football players. It went all the way up to the Supreme Court, and they removed that section, that protection of the Violence Against Women's Act. Okay? He also, as a Virginia judge upheld the state's ban on partial birth, so-called partial birth abortion, which was another hot-button issue. So the guy's a Federalist Society judge who spent his whole life trying to accomplish what was accomplished last Friday, you know? And in his one good moment, he was a mentor to Ted Cruz. You know what I'm saying? The guy was a mentor. He helped Clarence Thomas prepare for his testimony against Anita Hill when he was at DOJ and going to be an assistant AG, but was yet to be confirmed. So his colleagues had said, hey, you maybe shouldn't help this guy out. You're not confirmed yet, and it could be seen as unseemly. And he was like, screw it. I'm doing it anyway, because he wanted Thomas on the court so bad, because this guy was a Federalist, Federalist Society judge who wanted to overturn Roe v. Wade. And again, attacked all day long to, to the point where, you know, I don't care if I get attacked, but it makes me not want to bother. Because I see how manipulated we're getting on the left. That's what you're taking away from it? A comedian making fun of the guy speaking slow? You know, you're falling prey to internet rumors that probably started with bots that were trying to toss some discord into it and take the heat off the substance of what he was saying. And the people that attack you don't come back and apologize. Right? They don't look up the guy's record. They don't see that he voted for the death penalty 23 times as a federal judge, even though other judges said, dude, you should recuse yourself because this judge's father was killed in a carjacking in Texas in the early 90s. And that's a horrible thing to have happen, but it will also influence your opinions when you're trying to make decisions in other cases that involve the death penalty. And he was like, no, it doesn't make me, I'm still impartial. Send him to death, send him to death, send him to death 23 times, okay? So that guy's a conservative, right? Liz Cheney is a conservative. She was like, hell yeah, when they overturn Roe v. Wade, right? So a lot of these hearings, and I'm not saying they're not effective, a lot of what they're doing is they're sort of giving an image refurbishment to the same kind of folks that got us in this place in the first place. And you got to be real savvy about how you watch this stuff and how you react to what you see on Twitter because you're getting played emotionally. And it's not to say they're not important. It's not to say don't watch them. It's to say think before you react and look at all the different facets of this thing because it's complicated and know who the players are before you speak, you know? But people aren't doing that. They're just reacting emotionally. And the, the left is really good at attacking each other. You know, 
And the right knows that. The right is in lockstep for the most part. You got Cheney and Kinzinger who, who sort of like went away from the mainstream for their own political expediency. Let's be honest. Yeah, they're doing the right thing and they care about the country, but Liz Cheney would be very happy to be the first female president of the United States, you know, and she's getting very good advice from her old man on how to accomplish that. So be wary of it all and be wary of who you go after, you know, because you're just going to wear out people on the left. They're going to be like, you know, I'm sick of this bullshit. You know, I didn't tweet again for a couple days after that. I was like, you know, I, I, it's almost like you get like, Jesus, how, how fucking manipulated are, are you people? Like, how do you not understand? Like, just do a Google search. Did this guy have a stroke? He hadn't. <laughs> there was no public record of it. But people believe it. You hear something on Twitter. It's started by a bot and it goes around. And the Republicans know that. You know, people are good at manipulating people's emotions. Why do you think Elon Musk tried so hard to buy Twitter? Because he knew the impact that would have on the next election. And he doesn't want to pay income tax, right? He doesn't want billionaires getting taxed, you know, at a fair rate. He, want, he doesn't want environmental regulations. Half his gig at SpaceX is getting around him down there in Florida. He's ruining, you know, a very unique place on all the planet with his SpaceX station down there outside of Corpus Christi, Boca Chica, National Reserve, you know. He's ruining the area. So these guys, you know, they want to they wanna keep their power. And, and, and they're amassing so much wealth, it's going to be really hard to stop them. That's what Citizens United did. That's what Mitch McConnell brought us. You know, the Tea Party is the, is the sort of second coming of the things I talked about at the beginning of the podcast. You know, that Federalist Society, Koch Brothers, Leonard Leo thing that started as a reaction to the progressive progressivism and conservative, you know, conservation, <laughs> not conservatism, the conservation mindedness of Carter and what he stood for. They needed to like kill it. And they were willing to throw a lot of money at it to do it. And they were sort of able to do that in Reagan. Then it wand a bit during the Clinton years. Right. And then, you know, you had 9-11, which was just a gift and we don't have to, you know, get into all that. Though we should mention that the same kind of like, you know, radical extremists that we sent people to fight against, you know, because they mistreated women in Afghanistan and stuff. How are, how are they any more extreme than what the Christians, the right Christian fascists are trying to do to women in this country? How, how are they any better than the Taliban, right? So... Anyway, that ideological bullshit aside, that war was for oil, for the same thing. Oil and gas industry uses a lot of energy to prosecute a war. We sat there in Afghanistan for 20 years, didn't accomplish a damn thing, but ran up a real nice bill on fuel and equipment. And that goes into the industry, the industry that puts your senators and congressmen in office, right? And then when that all went to hell and Bush W. tanked the economy and, and everybody let a real estate bubble collapse, right? What happened? Then you got an African-American president and then he really kicked ass. You know, he was really something new and young and energetic for this country. And they freaked out instantly and went into overdrive and came out with the Tea Party. You know, and your Ted Cruz's, your guys who studied 
under the judge I just talked about, who studied, who, who lapped at the feet of Leonard Leo and the Federalist Society and say, how do I get power under your tutelage? Sponsor me. I will do whatever it, I can do to dominate women, to roll back Roe v. Wade, because that was the litmus test, and not because they believed in it, because it was the quickest way to consolidate power, because it's an intimate issue. Right. And it's something that motivates people emotionally. And that's why I brought it out about that judge and the way people attack each other on Twitter. You have to think about your emotions getting manipulated and you have to wonder who's manipulating them and why and what do they really want? Because it's not the first thing always. Right. You got to look a couple steps down to really see the big picture. You know, and that's the big picture now. It's do not comply, do not participate, you know, and once it gets to a certain point, it gets very hard to turn it around. Very, very hard, you know, and, and we're at that point now. Sorry, I had to pick this up again, but you know, that's all heavy stuff, but look, music, light, art, nature, Everything is rooting for us to succeed. You know, the flip side of that is, like I said before, we have the power. This is our planet, man. There's more good than there is evil. And the younger generation is thrilling me at this point because they get it. Those kids were out there right away. And by kids, I mean 40 and under. <laughs> but they were out there. They're not buying this BS. You know, Billie Irish, Eilish was talking about it in Glastonbury, Olivia Rodrigo. Both of those young women featured it in their sets this weekend. Glastonbury, I could tell you stories all day long. That's a good festival, big festival in England. But they're not going to take this line down. They're going to take to the streets. They're going to make a difference. You know, Greta Thunberg, who spoke at Glastonbury, is a wonderful leader. You know, Malaya, you know, the, the, the young woman that came from Afghanistan. Like, the next generation gets it, okay? And they're not going to... They're not going to succumb to the infighting and bitterness that I think many of us that are middle-aged and older have become accustomed to. You know, if you're not particularly my brand, I'd rather argue with you than see the big picture because it makes me at least feel better in the moment. But that doesn't get you anywhere. When you get somewhere is when you look at the big picture and you say, we're not going to stand for this. We're the next generation. We're going to take back the power. You do not have the right to decide things over our own lives. That is a force that you can harness for good. That force will continue to grow because we have to come together and do it. We have to stay strong. We have to stay vocal. We have to take to the streets, okay? And we have to use the things that can inspire us, right? We have to use art as a weapon, okay? It's not a distraction. It's not an entertainment. Art is inherently political if, it does, if it's done right because it's honest and it's coming from your point of view and it's about empathy and perfect and per empathy and, and perspective, it's never perfect. Perfect is the enemy of good in art. <laughs> Don't strive for perfection. Strive for authenticity, for realness. That's what people really respond to is honesty. You know, that's why I love doing comedy because I just get up there and say what I want to say. And, you know, I, I don't do it to be funny. You know, the, the humor will come if you see how ridiculous all this is and how much hypocrisy there is in these people. You know, and, and Trump is the perfect beast for that because you couldn't get a bigger clown in life. You couldn't get a more putrid 
person. And the fact that he is the avatar of the modern Christian movement should give you laughter and pause and ultimately a hint of good news because he is an idiot. And the greasy guys who are heirs to his throne, your Ron DeSantis and all the rest of these dudes, they're imminently corrupt, which means you can take them down. You just have to have the courage to do it. And you have to demand that your media covers it fairly, not from the point of their stockholders. And that's what we fell for the first time in 2016. Jeff Zucker wanted to make a buck at CNN and deliver money to his shareholders. So he wasn't going to tell you the truth about Trump, and he wasn't going to let his anchors tell you the truth about Trump. You know, and the New York Times was going to write a thousand articles on Hillary's emails, but not really many on all the teenage girls that Trump assaulted when he owned beauty pageants. And they weren't going to reach out to the people that had seen that stuff like myself. It's easier to write about Hillary's email and make the money, right? Corporations. Because, you know, Trump's going to come in and give him a tax break. Hillary, not so much. So you just got to look at all that. You got to keep it in perspective. Look, it's hard, and it's going to get harder and darker probably before it gets better. But you're in it now. You're in the fight of your life, and that should be good news, right? Because people that are sitting this one out are sitting out the wrong side of history. You know, it's like being in World War II and being like, eh, I didn't really pick a side, you know? I was more into, you know, the Dodgers. Like, no, it's not time for that now. It's time to choose. It's time to call out your relatives that are still racist and still supporting Trump because they own part of this. Or cut them off, but don't play nice. Call people out on their BS every chance you get. You got to do it. You owe it to the next generation, and they're going to be there fighting and marching, but we got to do all we can with our time and our voices and our platforms to stop this because it's bad, man. And they've infiltrated, you know, there's bad decisions being made all over the place in both parties, right? New York City has a mayor who's a joke right now, who's clearly just in it for himself. It's clearly not going to end well. You know, he just had a bulldozer steamroll a bunch of motorcycles and dirt bikes the other day for a publicity stunt. He just put a bunch of oil and gas and metal into a landfill instead of selling it and raising some funds to pay for children that are literally living in shelters in New York City right now, not to mention unhoused people all over the streets. So we have an epidemic, you know, all across the board in this country, and it has to be answered with love and compassion and kindness and activism and action, you know. Think globally, act locally. Find a way you can get out there and make a difference and try to make it, you know. And try to enjoy yourself a little bit when you can. Take a day off, sit in the sun, meditate, pray, exercise. Whatever you can do, do it. Because nature is there to inspire you and lead you. Watch how they work together. Go look at some ants when you're having a picnic. They all work as a society, man. You step on an ant, the other ants go pick them up and carry them away. Right? We've lost that. We're not working as a society anymore. We're divided. And that's what Trump wanted to do on behalf of that big business that was footing the bill because they don't want you looking at how much money they're making off of you folks and off of your planet and it's yours and we need to take it back anyway that's probably enough for this week i know it's a tough one sorry i'm angry come and see me live i won't be i'm going to be in beautiful cape cod on august 3rd at the music room wonderful place west yarmouth i was over there this weekend 
last weekend and uh really beautiful venue great time of year you couldn't hit it better so come on out to the cape and see me stay safe everybody thanks for listening i appreciate it more than you know until next week be safe everybody noel castler podcast episode 69 is done peace